Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Funky Pharmacist Podcast. This is Sarah, and I'm very excited today because I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Nicole Morris here, and we want to learn today a little bit about what uh, her journey has been and how she came to be a naturopathic doctor. So let's hear a little about about you. Hi there. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate you guys inviting me onto the show, and I'm excited to get to know some of our listeners and answer questions that you guys have and Uh, take it from there and share a little bit about myself with you guys. So as Sarah said, I'm Dr. Nicole Morris. I am a naturopathic doctor and expert in natural medicine. I opened my clinic a few years ago and I really pride myself on practicing naturopathic medicine from the perspective of a vitalist. I do a lot of root cause medicine. It's kind of my, the name of my game. So I'll share a little bit more about that with you guys as we go. Um, but yeah, to share a little bit about myself and my journey with you, I'd be happy to do that. So, hmm, love where we can start. <laughs> I guess we could take it all the way back to my childhood, hey? Yeah, go for it. Great. So a lot of people that come to to find me or other naturopaths and naturopathic medicine, I find, have, have a, their own history of what gets, gets them uh, to naturopathic medicine. And for mine, I guess you could say it started in my childhood. Uh, at the age of about a year old, I was diagnosed with chronic ITP, which in layman's terms is a low platelet count. And platelets are what make your blood clot. So when you don't have enough platelets to make your blood clot, it essentially looks like you are covered in a bruise or someone took red paint and splattered it all over your body. Uh, we call that petechiae. So underneath the skin, your blood vessels are essentially leaking, and you can see that on the surface of your skin. So when my parents took me to the emergency room when I was a little less than a year old, they had no idea what was going on. And think this was 30-ish years ago, so they had no idea what was going on. And they actually were at the point where they were about to call CPS, and my parents, they thought that potentially there was child abuse. And uh, there came a point where my dad was like, look, and he took my diaper off and he flipped my butt, I guess you would say, and it was an instant bruise. And so they were able to see that, the physician saw that, and they're like, okay, like something's going on, we have to figure out what's going on. So that was really the, the beginning of my journey uh, into, I guess, this world that I'm in now. And most people that have ITP, even if it's chronic or that low platelet account, it self-resolves within six months, but I wasn't exactly that case. And I continued to have, uh, I guess you would say like, not outbreaks, but experiences with a low platelet count every six weeks until I was about five years old. So every six weeks I would end up back in the hospital, the emergency room, I would go every single day or every other day, I can't remember exactly what it was, to have my blood drawn. And they attempted to save my veins for when they had to do transfusions to get my platelet count up. So instead they would poke my finger and squeeze a whole vial of blood on my finger from the time I was a year old till five. So my initial mindset around (laughs) doctors and hospitals was trauma, right? I wanted nothing to do with this. Uh, I remember driving in the car with my mom when I was a kid and she would turn a quarter turn a corner on a freeway, and I would know from the way it felt in the vehicle that that's where we were going in that moment, and it was like this sheer state of panic. I remember this vividly, because I didn't know that that's where I was going. So I never had a really uh, great, I guess you could say, like a, a great association with medicine in the medical field, so really it's never somewhere that I anticipated that I would end up. Uh, so that's where I start, That's where I initially started. Uh, moving on from there, I would say I, I fared pretty lucky in my childhood that my mom was pretty in tune with alternative medicine and knowing that, that 
the conventional route was not the way, or at least it wasn't the way for our family. And I remember my mom using homeopathy as a child and studying homeopathy. And, you know, this was, again, like 20, 25 years ago. It was really, really out of the ordinary then that she was in tune and doing these sorts of things. So my gratitude for her in doing that is immense. But uh, that was kind of her thing. She was always trying to find a better way, an alternative way to conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals and antibiotics and things like that. So I don't remember a ton of that until probably high school. And I, I also vividly remember always saying that she was a witch doctor and she was practicing the double medicine. And that was something that I was, I was opposed to. And, and I kind of truly believed that, but at the same time just thought she was crazy. And how could uh, these little white pellets that she was always trying to give us actually do anything, right? So, so for several years, I just, I don't know, I just thought she was up to shenanigans and it was no good. And, and I thought she was kind of crazy. So that took me kind of into uh, my teen years, right, when I graduated or was about to graduate and move on. So as I continued on, or I guess maybe at the same time through high school, I had a lot of pain which seems really odd for a 15, 16, 17 year old to really be debilitated by pain, but essentially I really was. I remember in high school playing a sport and being in so much pain that I couldn't even practice during practice. And I would just come home and lay on the bathroom floor in the fetal position in so much pain that I couldn't even move. And I remember taking numerous hot showers a day because the heat was the only thing that helped the pain. And it was a bone pain, it was really deep bone pain that was, I don't know how else to describe it, except for deep bone pain. And it really was debilitating, especially the further on I got into high school and the more active I was. So I would say like my senior year was probably the worst. Uh, I had mono also my senior year, which I again had in college, which is not very common to have it twice. But So that was something else that set me back. And mono is pretty common actually unfortunately but it put me out for about two weeks so I had all these things happening at the same time and no one could figure out why did I have this bone pain I went to pediatric rheumatologist the pediatrician all of these things went through this rigorous workup and what everyone always told me is like oh it's probably from the gamma globulins you had as a child which is the treatments I would have to increase my platelet count and I had gray hairs from the time that I was a really young child, and they would always say, oh, it's from the treatments, oh, it's from the treatments. Now what I know now, and I kind of call BS on that, I don't know if I agree, uh, but that's what we were always told. So so I just like continued to live with this pain and live with this pain, and at one point my mom took me to someone that practiced homeopathy, and I will never forget sitting in his office when he said, I think you have candida, and candida is yeast overgrowth in the body, and I was probably 17, so what did that mean to me? Essentially nothing, right? Except for that I heard him say, I don't want you to eat gluten anymore. You can't eat gluten. Gluten is causing your pain. And I just, I remember essentially just feeling like I was going off the deep end. And I will never forget, we went to Applebee's for lunch after we left the appointment. And I was mad. I just remember being essentially pissed off. I was so mad. And it was my mom and my brother and I, and I guarantee you they all vividly remember this experience at Applebee's. And I remember being mad because I didn't know that I could eat anything but a salad. And I was 17. I don't want salad, right? Like, who wants a salad when you're 17? So I just remember like being so angry, and it's, there's a really good chance that I threw the menu in the restaurant. I think I probably did. I, <laughs> I was fierce. 
Um, so, so moving on from that instance, I think I did it maybe a little bit for a few weeks or a few months, but I wasn't good at it. I was 17. I didn't want to be told I couldn't eat gluten. And shortly after that, I graduated high school and I went to college and right? We're all like poor college kids, especially in undergrad. And I just, I was not in the state of mind to do that. So I didn't, I continued to eat gluten and I continued to be in pain and have, you know, other experience, other symptoms and feeling like I always had like a little bit of mood disturbance. I wouldn't have probably told you that at the time, but looking back now, I see it so clearly because I know that I am such a different person now and my personality has shifted so much. So I went on through college, I graduated college, I got a job, I got a really good job out of college, I got really lucky. I studied biology and chemistry in college. I also vividly remember the day standing with my research professor who I was doing research under. I, I still can see it. And he said something about going into medicine and I vividly remember looking at him and being like, oh hell no, I will never go into medicine, I am done with school, I am not going back to school for four, four more years, there's just no way. So I graduated undergrad and I went on to work in food and feed safety. So I worked in sales and I had a huge territory. I traveled all the time. It was great, but I worked in, in the corruption of the food industry, essentially. So I, I worked with customers all the way from farmers at the grain elevator up to governmental agencies and huge food corporations. And my role was to sell them test kits to check for different toxins in foods, such as mycotoxins, which are molds that a lot of people are sensitive to and we don't want in our food supply, but more than more mycotoxin than you would realize ends up in our food supply. And um, I sold test kits to food corporations to check for allergens in their foods, such as gluten, soy, dairy, the list goes on. So that's just a little bit of what I did there. And I worked there for four years. I actually went went on to school to get my MBA and thought, I'm gonna go be a CEO one day. I'm, I'm gonna go work for a pharmaceutical company, something like that is what I had in mind. Uh, and, and at the same time, while I was always doing this, I always had this internal nag or this feeling of like, there's gotta be something more. There's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a way to help people that isn't conventional. There's gotta be a way to help people without pharmaceutical drugs and actually get to the root cause of their issue and help them. And it always, it was like always this underlying nag in my being of there's gotta be something more. So I was always searching, I was always looking online and I never really came to what I needed to find. And in, in, in the midst of all of this, after I graduated from, from undergrad, went back to school, I got married and I remember it was the year after I got married, January. And I said, all right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna stop eating gluten. And it was January 1st, 2012. And I stopped eating gluten. And my life has never been the same since then. And I can say that wholeheartedly. And the people that are closest to me, I know would agree. I don't experience pain anymore. I've had such minimal pain since I stopped eating gluten. It blows my own mind, to be honest with you. Uh, it, I can even see in myself what a dramatic shift in personality and mood I had. And, and I'm really, I'm an open book, so I'll, I'll tell you anything about myself. <clears throat> and I know that my, my family and my husband and my brother and, and everyone that's closest to me in that time, like quickly notice like, whoa, you are so much more calm and like stable and you don't get upset about things like you used to. And you're just like kind of a different person. And I can see, could see that in myself. So at the same time I was removing gluten, I was seeing the corruption in the food industry. I was always looking for more. 
And I just kept looking like I would always search online just to see what I could come to. And one day I remember I was at work that I was doing this search, which maybe I shouldn't admit. But, and I found it. I found naturopathic medicine. I don't even know how. It was through a Google search of some sort. And I found it. And I just remember being like, I found it. Like this relief of like, okay, this is it. Like this is what I'm called to do. This is what God wants me to do. This is where I'm at. So um, it all happened really fast. I think I found naturopathic medicine in May of 2014. I didn't graduate from uh, business school with my MBA until August of 2014. And in December of 2014, my husband and I packed up everything that we could fit into a trailer and drove to Oregon. And that started naturopathic medical school. It all happened really, really quickly. Uh, and I couldn't be more grateful because I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing the work that I want to do. And <clears throat> with that, I also remember really vividly when I was about to graduate undergrad, standing in the faculty offices, talking with the, the instructor who was like oversees the students that wanted to go to medical school. And I remember talking with him and asking him, like, isn't there something more? Like, isn't there something different? Isn't there something holistic? And I remember him giving me a CD. And I never put that CD into my computer because this is when we still could put a CD into a computer to teach myself a little bit. I remember him giving that to me, and I remember him using the word naturopathic medicine, and I never looked at it, and I don't know why. It must just not have been my time, but I never put that CD into my computer, and I'm convinced that I still have it somewhere, and one day I will find it and find out exactly what was on that CD he gave me, but I'm pretty sure it was the information that I was searching for. Uh, and, and on that point, when I was about to graduate undergrad, I did apply for another form of alternative medicine of some sort in Arizona, I think it was. And before I went for my interview, I just was really doing research to make sure that this was a place that I could go to get a real education. And when I say that, I mean like an education that was <clears throat> recognized by the U.S. Department of Education. And before I went, I came to find out that no, this place wasn't recognized by the U.S. Department of Education, and I backed out. So that was kind of like my first my first uh, thing that I looked into. And I think that's something Sarah and I are going to chat a little bit about on the next podcast is, is knowing the difference between where naturopaths get their education from. So that's a little bit of a in-depth synopsis of where I come from and how I got to naturopathic medicine. Uh, so it was no short journey. <laughs> no, um, uh, Nicole has been practicing out of our office here for months on Wednesdays. And that's the first I've heard of that. And it's amazing. It kind of all makes sense with your personality and every all the pieces fit. So thanks for sharing with that. Um, we love having Dr. Morris around. She lights up the whole building when she's here and we just enjoy having her around and there's nobody you're going to find with more passion to truly want to help people. So we definitely appreciate that and her here. Um, what else? Uh, you have a couple girls now, right? Yes, I do. Um, that, that's another piece of my story. I guess that I didn't talk about, but first I just, I want to say that I, I love being here Wednesdays are one of my favorite days of the week when I get to come and hang out with Hillary and Sarah. And, and we just, we should talk about that another day, but we just jive so, so well together in the work that we do. And uh, we're always bouncing information off each other, and when you're working with one of us, you kind of you kind of get the whole team, which is kind of cool. But yeah, so I have two little two little girls now, which is wonderful. They're the light of my world. Uh, but that's another piece of my story that I didn't talk about. I, it's a big one that I missed. But for four years, so essentially from the time my husband and I got married until I went to medical school, we tried to have kids, 
and were unsuccessful and had no clear diagnosis or reasoning why. And they were telling us just unexplained infertility. They didn't know why. We went through the whole gamut of tests and this and that, and everything was normal. We were young. Uh, I was 21 when we got married. My husband 25. So we weren't old enough for them to really have concern or, or give us the attention that we deserve to, to meet our needs there. Um, and we weren't of the mindset that we wanted to go down the route, the route of IVF and things like that, especially at that point. So we just tried and tried and tried. And it was actually really, um, it was a really difficult time. So that was when I was working, when I was back in school, we were trying to have kids unsuccessfully. You know, this, that was a really stressful time in our life actually. And it was, um, at that point that we decided that I was going to go to medical school, like, okay, now is the time, right? Now or never, we don't have kids yet for whatever reason. So what's stopping us? And that's kind of what helped us make the decision to just pack up and move kind of uh, at, the, at the exact moment that we did. Uh, but six months after being in National Medical School, we got pregnant with, my fir- with our first. Um, so she's almost four now. So that was... To me, definitely God's timing for what he had planned for our life. And I was also taking a lot of herbs <laughs> at the time that were for brain support, but now I know are also for fertility. So I think there was a, a few different things to play there. Uh, I did experiment with acupuncture. I love acupuncture. I send a lot of people for acupuncture, especially for fertility. And I was doing acupuncture before we moved to Oregon. And I think that doing that set my body up uh, on the brain right speed as well. So yes, they're my miracle babies. I have a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old, and they, they're lovely. Two little girls, so yes, that's third grade. Awesome. Another good piece of the story. Yeah, they sure are. <laughs> that's no joke. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, but as she mentioned, we're going to do another one. Uh, we're going to do another podcast where we're going to talk a little bit about what a visit with Dr. Morris would look like and it's very important for us to point out the differences in education when you're um, looking at naturopathic doctors as well. So look forward to that because that will probably be the week after this. And thanks for being here. Yeah, certainly. It's been a joy to share with you all and to share with you, Sarah. So I look forward to chatting again. All right. Until next time.